Welcome to Pieces for My Puzzle. I'm your host, Nikki Ship, and I'm excited to be sharing with you my life with a son on the spectrum. This podcast is for anyone who is looking for quick tips and perspective, but most of all, for hope and inspiration. So sit back, relax, and let's put the pieces together. And welcome back to another episode of Pieces for My Puzzle. I am your puzzle master, Nikki. Thank you so much for tuning in. Last week, we had a wonderful conversation with Brenda Del Monte, author of I See You In There on the show. It was quite extraordinary. I'm still kind of spinning a little bit from the interview. We had such a wonderful time. So thank you again to Brenda Del Monte for coming on the show. This week, we're going to talk about how to find the right HAB providers for you in your home. And so for those of you that do have special needs kiddos, um, you know that finding HAB providers sometimes can be, it can be a tough gig. Um, There, they, you know, and for those of you that aren't familiar and are just learning about this, HAB providers basically can help with lots of daily living in the home. They assist your child in activities. They work one-on-one with your child. Um, They help with a variety of important skills to help improve behavior. And they can even help in areas of communication, socialization, gross and fine motor skills. And so a lot of times there's goals that are written that a HAP provider can do. But what's nice is it can all take place in home. So, and that's part of what's a little bit tricky about finding HAP providers. You have to find people that are also going to fit in your home and in your lifestyle because they're in your home. It's a little intrusive at first. When we first started getting services for Drayson, we had 20 hours a week of HAP providers in our home. So I had people in our house 20 hours a week. And that can feel a little a little intrusive. So you have to be open to making sure that it's a good fit for your home and to allow them to come into your home because they're going to spend hours there with you and your kiddos. Um, at this point, what what is safe to say is that you would have been approved already for services um, through DDD. So... Um, once you get approved for services from DDD, you can get award service hours for HAB or respite, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes for speech and OT, depending on what um, is formulated between you and your support coordinator. But once you get approved for those hours, um, what nobody told me that was really difficult was they said, great, you're approved for 20 hours a week. And I'm like, great. So um, when do I start meeting HAB providers? And they're like, oh, well, you have to find an agency. Nobody told me that I was going to have to find an agency to get these service hours. So once you acquire the service hours, now you have to go and find a service provider. So um, so once you have a service provider, then you can um, contract with that service provider and with DDD and, and set up um, have providers in your home. So there are some extra steps to this that it becomes a little intimidating because you're like, great, I just went through this whole process to get all these hours. Now I have to find somebody and I don't even know the first thing about who to ask or what to do or how to find how to find these people. So once you start recruiting for services, there are some things that you can do. So every agency, um, usually DDD, can make a recommendation to you. So 
um, I would at least ask for recommendations from them or have a list um, and ask them if they know of these uh, providers that you may have heard of through friends and family, or maybe you looked up local providers in the area. But you can always ask for recommendations from your, your support coordinator from DDD. Um, look at an agency that provides the services that you're looking for. Like I said, HAB and or Respite. Um, this episode is specifically about HAB providers, but Respite kind of goes hand in hand, which is why I'm mentioning it. And you can interview. The first step is to interview the service provider. And there are some questions that you might want to ask first to your service provider to see if it's a right fit for your home. Uh, usually they will do sometimes a tele-appointment uh, tele with you on Zoom to ask what you're looking for. Sometimes the visit might be in person. It's hard to say, uh, depending on the agency right now, um, just with COVID and, and a lot of the restrictions that have, have now occurred. But I'm going to read to you just a list of some of the questions that you can ask these service providers that, you, uh, that might help you to make a decision if you're going to have services with them. So... First is check their history. How long has the organization been um, servicing people um, with developmental disabilities? Um, what is there any testimonies? Um, do they what what kind of information do they have listed on their website? Do they have any sort of references? If you wanted to maybe speak with one of the families, um, asking about the organization, um, is there is there a group or someplace where you can go to ask these families um, their experience with the with this agency? Um, ask about their level of training. And find out if there's any required credentialing that they require for their employees to have, which is really important. So Drayson's um, provider, excuse me, agency um, does a lot of training for the HAB providers and for the respite um, and RBT providers that they have. They do a lot of training. And so one of the things that was really appealing to me was that they were continually pouring into their providers, which is, I think, really, really important. Um, and do they have experience um, with that type of training? Who's doing the training? Um, what type of credentials do they have? All of those things are really important to ask and kind of look into. Sometimes you can check your local area. There might be a, a virtual expo or an expo of where you can go and find a bunch of agencies at one time if you're trying to gather more information. That's always super helpful. But those are those are some questions that you can ask. Um, I did find from, uh, I think it's um, Health Services in Texas, a really great PDF that um, has a list of questions that you can ask when you're looking for um, an agency or a provider. And so I will post that link in the show notes for you guys as well that you can use as your reference. It, it is it is for the state of Texas, so it might be a little bit different, but you could apply some of these general questions to anywhere, anywhere that you're at um, here in the U.S. <clears throat> some questions that you can ask HAB providers, um, and a lot of times what the agency will do will then set up an introductory meeting for you to meet the HAB provider and get to know them. And also that gives the HAB provider an opportunity to ask about your child, their likes and dislikes. And all of this is really beneficial because, again, they are going to be spending hours in your home. And that is important because they become almost like a part of the family. So it's really important that you ask some of these questions ahead of time. 
My husband and I have had to fire a couple HAB providers just because we just weren't in an alignment with what they felt our child needed and what we felt our child needed. And my biggest piece of advice to you is that you know your child best. So what you think is best for your child always comes first. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to want to understand why they want to do certain goals or work on certain goals. But at the end of the day, you ultimately are the one that makes that decision. So questions to ask potential HAB providers is how long have you been doing habilitation? Um, do you have transportation? Because that's really important. Um, do you prefer to be called by first name or um, like we, you know, we have some uh, providers in our house that um, they might call, Drayson might call them, um, you know, um, Miss Taylor or by another name, but do you want them to be addressed in a different way? It, that's always important to understand how they want to be referred to as. Um, what age ranges have they worked with in the past? That is important. Drayson started habilitation services at the age of three. And so uh, I want to know when a HAP provider comes into our home, uh, what age range do they have experience with? Drayson is now 10. What I am looking for is for a long-term relationship with that HAP provider. I want somebody that's going to be able to also grow with Drayson. And so we've had HAP providers in our home that have been with us for, for four years, four and a half, uh, almost five years. Um, and that's really important because that relationship and that consistency is also important for Drayson. So these are things that types of questions that you want to ask to make sure that you're vetting um, a HAP provider and to make sure that they're the right fit in your home. Um, other questions to ask them, how do you de-escalate a situation and what their schedule is, what their availability is, how do you handle cancellations, what's the best way to contact them, and then give them a chance to get to know your child a little bit, see how they interact, see how they engage with each other, especially if it's an introductory, um, an introductory session. If at any point in time you feel that it's not a fit, this is something that you can tell the service provider. So if you feel that after a couple of weeks, it just doesn't feel like a really good fit, you can always contact the provider, not the HAB provider, excuse me, not the HAB provider directly, but the agency that's providing the services and let them know that you feel like this might not be a good fit and that you need to continue the search for another HAB provider. You do have that right as a parent to express that. And I think that that's one thing that we also need to be aware of because a lot of times that you don't want to feel like you're stuck having to have that particular HAP provider come to your home if it's not a good fit. I would also ask questions like how often are the goals reviewed? Usually goals have to be rewritten in the in the home. So how often are the goals going to be reviewed? And how does that also get communicated to DDD? Because DDD will also come in for regular checks as well. So in conjunction with just finding the right key players in your home, it's also keeping things organized so that you can make sure that, you, that that line of communication is happening between DDD, the agency providing the services, and your HAB and respite providers. So you can see why this is, becomes a little daunting for people because you have to go, it's a web of navigation, if you will, trying to figure out 
um, how to find the right provider and then also make sure that the hours are in check and that you're following all of all of the uh, rules and regulations and that your support coordinator is checking in and it just gets it just gets really overwhelming so the other question to really ask is how does your agency um, handle how does the agency handle uh, behavioral plans so there are there are things out there called BIPs behavioral intervention plans sometimes you might have heard of it in the educational system um, also uh, agencies also use these as well and this is also if there's a behavior that your child needs help with so having a behavioral intervention plan can also be important because it just gives everybody an idea how to handle a behavior if a behavior occurs and how everybody is going to handle it the same because the one thing that's the most important is also consistency when I do something differently than what my husband does. If my husband does it differently or if the HAB provider does it differently, it becomes confusing for Drayson. So having things like this written and in place is highly beneficial because then we can all be on the same page as to what's going on. There is a level of organization with this that is overwhelming for some people. I am very type A, so for me, it's perfect because if I, the more organized I say, the better that I feel. So I can just tell you that when you have a lack of organization with this, you're going to feel very discombobulated at first trying to navigate all of this. And that's a completely normal feeling. Again, I will post some reference links for you in the show notes um, to help with some of the questions that you can ask and also navigate through maybe vetting people for HAB and respite in your home. Um, At the end of every episode, we like to do a story highlight for families celebrating their wins with a child on the spectrum. So if you have a story that you'd like for us to read, please email it over to us at info at piecesformypuzzle.com. I have a really particularly funny story today of Drayson where we celebrated a big win, but it was a little bit embarrassing for both of us. one of the things that we've been doing with Drayson is trying to teach him manners, you know, saying please, saying thank you, just being polite, and also to say excuse me, right? And he's a 10-year-old boy, so you can imagine that burping and farting and all of the bodily sounds that come along with that are really entertaining for boys around that age. Um, so we, we've been trying to really encourage manners for Drayson. So I was in the grocery store with Drayson and we were doing our typical shopping, wasn't very busy, came down one of the grocery aisles and there was a few people down the grocery aisles. There had been every other aisle we had been down, there had been nobody else in the aisles, nobody, absolutely nobody. And, um, this aisle, of course, there were, I think like two people in the aisle. And um, Drayson just decided to go ahead and rip the loudest fart that I can imagine. If you can imagine a a quiet grocery store, excuse me, Drayson ripped the loudest fart ever in the grocery store. I whipped my head around and he (laughs) looked at me and he kind of shrugged his shoulders and he went, excuse me, and kind of giggled. It was the first time that Drayson looked a little embarrassed, which I had never really quite seen that facial expression on him. And also, he was using his manners. He said, excuse me. So I was like, uh, and I was kind of taken aback. 
So as soon as I whipped my head around, he says, excuse me, I looked at the guy on the other side of me because now I'm mortified. Here's my kid in the grocery aisle and he's ripped this huge fart. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? And I remember the guy looked at me and we, I kind of started to laugh and we looked at each other and he said, well, he said, excuse me. I was well, yeah, you're right. He did. So we kind of laughed it off and he went on his way. And I remember thinking, though, that that was a big moment of triumph for me because he just said, excuse me, and he showed a little embarrassment. So I looked beyond what it really was and was just proud of the fact that he was able to be a little bit more expressive. So that's something that we've really noticed more of with Drayson every day, especially over these last couple months. More and more little things like that are starting to come out. And I'm so grateful for it because this is what we've been working hard for. We've been working hard to get him to be able to interact and engage and giggle over silly little things like this. So it was a big win for me that day. So, But I guess the moral of the story is you can teach your kid manners, but that doesn't mean that they're still not going to rip a huge fart down the grocery store aisle. So... Um, if you have a story that you'd like to share with us, please email us at info at piecesformypuzzle.com. I look forward to reading all of them and then hopefully getting to feature one of your stories on an upcoming podcast. Um, that concludes our episode for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you haven't already. And feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pieces for My Puzzle. If you really like what you're hearing, also please feel uh, free to give us a good rating on your preferred podcast platform of choice. And once again, we always appreciate your time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. And just remember, you don't have to have your puzzle solved all in a day. Take care. 